Guys, it's the Blue Bloods, and we are coming back at you guys with another huge episode. We are joined today by a very special guest, and it's the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers, Mr. Bob Kessling. Uh, he's with us today. We're here to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers football, and we just want to thank you for uh, joining us, Bob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For sure, for sure. So um, I feel like it's only right to start talking, um, kind of honor, uh, talk talk about John Majors, who led Tennessee to multiple SEC championships and was beloved by just about everybody in Knoxville, Tennessee. Can you just start to show off by speaking on his influence as a whole and the impact he had on Knoxville and the program? He not only had an impact in Knoxville, he had an impact across the entire state. And I think all in college football and even in pro football, you know, um, Coach Majors had 33 assistant coaches uh, that coached under him go on to become head coaches. And some big names like Jimmy Johnson and Jackie Sherrill and David Cutcliffe, Philip Fulmer, Lovey Smith, Ron Zook. I mean, there were a whole bunch of them. And so, uh, and of course, all the All-American players he coached. So he just had a huge impact. He was uh, obviously a, one of the biggest stars in college football as a player. He won uh, the SEC Player of the Year twice, uh, runner-up in the Heisman Trophy, All-American. And so he was a tremendous player. Played on the 1956 team that uh, went undefeated uh, during the regular season. So he was a you know just a great player out of Huntland, Tennessee. And um, then, of course, went on to a coaching career, was an assistant for a while at Iowa State and then Pittsburgh, led them to a national championship. And he followed that by coming to Tennessee in 1977. So um, it, it took a while to get the Tennessee program back going. His first season as the head coach of Tennessee lost seven games. And the first five years, they didn't have a winning season. So, so uh, it took him a while to get going. But er then early in the 80s, they beat Alabama and then they – uh, beat Auburn and Bo Jackson in 85, went on to the Sugar Bowl that season. And that really seemed to get the program up and running and uh, then turned into one of the elite programs in college football. I think one of the legacies that Coach Majors had at Tennessee, uh, he developed wide receiver U. And I think he really brought the uh, passing game uh, to the SEC. And one thing he brought was speed. He always coached speed. And so when he got sprinters like Willie Galt and Anthony Hancock and Tennessee at that time really did a great job of uh, bringing in track athletes, uh, two sports stars, they could play football and uh, track. And, and one of those was Anthony Hancock, Willie Galt also as well. But uh, the speed element that Tennessee added to the SEC, I think kind of changed the league uh, because at that time, back in the early eighties, there were, a lot of folks were running the football, like Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. And so you were looking for those big, strong tailbacks. And Tennessee went with more of a passing attack speed and throwing the ball down the field. And uh, so, really, you know, Tony Robinson uh, really was the first Tennessee quarterback that really uh, changed the field. And then he got hurt in the middle of the 85 season. Uh, Jeff Francis came in later, and he set all kinds of records. And then uh, it just kept evolving and going. Uh, on and on, but uh, I think Coach Majors should get a lot of credit for uh, kind of changing the SEC in terms of how to approach things offensively. Yeah, no, no doubt, and I just thought it would be appropriate to have you on the show and not address that to start, but I want to shift to last season, and uh, to say it was a rough start early might be an understatement, but they this that team really seemed to find their stride late in the season. 
What do you think changed between the first six weeks where we saw some tough games toward the last few weeks of the season where we saw Tennessee go on this run and even end the season off with a huge bowl win in the Gator Bowl? Yeah, I mean, obviously Tennessee did not play well early in the season, and uh, uh, it really was a rough, rough start. And then you give Coach Pruitt a lot of credit for keeping that team on track because uh, there was a chance he could have skidded off into the ditch very easily. Uh, but there are a lot of good leaders on that team that didn't allow that to happen. Now, you know, Tennessee had a six-game winning streak down the stretch. That's everybody's talking about. But there were several games in there that Tennessee could have lost. I mean, they needed a goal line stand uh, at the end of the game against Kentucky. They needed uh, a long drive against Mississippi State and, uh, to keep the ball away from them in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, uh, you know, Tennessee had a rally against Indiana to win that bowl game, and it took a key onside kick late in the game that Tennessee recovered and took it down for the winning score. So it's not like they suddenly were dominating people uh, in the second half of the season, but what they did is they found a way to win. And that's one thing that coach Pruitt had kept preaching to his team. You got to find a way to win. And, uh, and they finally, they finally started figuring that out. Now going into this season, uh, they got a lot of the veterans back on the team. They lost several good players off last year's team, but they've got, a nucleus of a pretty good uh, group coming back, especially in the offensive line. Uh, Trey Smith's returning is all, has been a big boost. They're, they've got some experience back in the defensive front. Uh, so, you know, when you win in, this, in the SEC, you win at the line of scrimmage. And Tennessee's, I think, addressed those problems, and that should be one way to really build this program going forward. And you've got a veteran quarterback, uh, Jerry Garantano, that's been around for a long time. So uh, they – they will have experience at that position as well. And they've got some good young guys pushing him. So that's a good situation to have if, you, if you're a head coach that uh, you've got a veteran coming back. But uh, he, as Coach Pruitt showed last year, he's, not, he's willing to pull them if they don't play the way they're supposed to, which he did last year with Garantano. And then Jared got the job back. But uh, I think Coach Pruitt talks about competition every single day and doesn't want people to get uh, comfortable. So you've got to be the best player that we can practice to play. And, and, and that's one of the things he's done. He's finally developed plenty of depth. And uh, that will play to Tennessee's favor this year as well. And I kind of want to stick to this quarterback battle because I kind of wanted to ask you, I mean, we, like you said, we saw last year Jarrett Guantanamo coming in and, at, and then eventually losing the job to Brian Moore. And uh, he played really well down the stretch against some really good teams. I mean, that first half of the Georgia game was – really good for Tennessee. I mean, what are your what are your impressions of each quarterback and do you think Jarrett keeps the job going into next season throughout the season or do you see a younger quarterback kind of pushing it and toward the end of the season they make a change again? Well, that's kind of up to Garantano how he how he plays, how he takes care of the football, his decision making. It's his second year under um offense coordinator Jim Chain, you know, as you remember, they've had a kind of a lot of different changes as the coordinator spot the last several seasons, but now Cheney's in here for a second year, and I think that'll make Garantano a much more consistent quarterback. And um, so, but you know, Maurer came in and had his moments. JT Shroud played some. Harrison Bailey is a highly touted freshman coming in. So there's going to be plenty of competition at the quarterback position, and I I think that's healthy for most football teams. So. But uh, it, it would be hard for me to believe that Garantano wouldn't be the starter when the season began. And then, as I said just earlier, it's up to him to keep the job. Right. And to shift back to Jeremy Pruitt, he came in two years ago from Alabama. 
what what were your first impressions of Pruitt and what makes him a good fit in Knoxville? Well, your first impression of him was that uh, he was a football coach. Uh, you know, dad was a football coach. He grew up in a football family, uh, coached under Nick Saban at Alabama. So he learned a lot about what a good football team looks like. He, you know, he's been around at Georgia and Florida State, some of these other places. So he's seen good programs and he's seen uh, what it takes, what a good football team looks like. And uh, when he got to Tennessee, he knew that that didn't look like a championship football team. And so he went to work recruiting. You know, they didn't lose a lot of players transferring, dropping off when Coach Pruitt came in. I think that was a good sign. He he went right to work convincing the players that, that uh, you know, things are going to be different and they're going to win and all those type things, which is now starting to play out. Um, but, uh, you know, the one thing, every time you have a conversation with him, it's always usually about football. Never strays very far from that. And during that conversation, it usually crops up something about recruiting because he does that every single day. And I think that you see the – the prowess that uh, he's had in recruiting is paying off uh, on paper, at least according to all the reports, you know, Tennessee's having a bang up year in recruiting. Now you got to finalize that and get all those guys signed, but the commitments right now is a pretty impressive list. And, um, you know, Tennessee uh, with a, a staff like coach Pruitt has their first priority is recruiting and he makes no bones about it. If you're going to be on the staff, you got to be a good football coach, but you got to probably be an equally good recruiter. So, because uh, he knows, I mean, he's been around great teams that uh, you don't very often outcoach guys uh, in college football anymore. They're too good. You better just get better players and just out scheme them. And that's what he's trying to do. And I think, uh, as you see last year, it kind of pays off. The other thing that has impressed me, you know, he's not afraid to, to take a risk. I mean, he's he tells you all the time they're out to to, to win the game. So fake punts and onside kicks and all those type things are very much alive. And you better be alert when coach Pruitt's out there. Cause they're, they're bound to do anything that uh, will help them win a game. And they, they take a lot of risks. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of took the direction of this interview, exactly how I planned on it. I mean, uh, right now, Tennessee, we've covered on the podcast recently about how Tennessee has the number two class in the country, which, probably surprises a lot of average fans, but what are your first impressions of the class? Who are you most excited to see? And, and I think you already highlighted this, but do you think that it's just uh, Coach Pruitt being the biggest factor in landing these elite players that we haven't seen in probably the last three, four years Tennessee land? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't get into specifics about names because they're not signed yet. They're not, you know, they're not Tennessee commitments. So, um, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and signing day. So just because they're commitments on paper. But, uh, you know, I think, well, as I mentioned before, I mean, Coach Pruitt, if you talk to him about, okay, what are you looking for in the offensive line? He said, we want them to be this tall, we want their arms this long, we want, you know, trunks on them and good base. Uh, well, what are you looking at the tailback? Well, we're, when I got this big and this fast, what are you looking for to receive? I mean, each position they have a specific type that they're looking for. And, you know, then, then you vary and you close out your class by maybe getting a special athlete here or somebody that you think might be dynamic, but for their basic needs, they have a blueprint that they go down and uh, they figure out what the, what the specific player looks like. And, and, um, and, and that's kind of how they're doing it. And, uh, 
So, so far it's paid, you know, big dividends uh, for how Tennessee has kind of built this roster. And, uh, you know, it looks much more like an SEC football team than it did when he arrived here. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I want to shift into looking more into next season. So, for me, a player that stuck out, especially toward the end of last year, was running back Eric Gray. He had, like, over 250 yards rushing in the Vanderbilt game, three touchdowns, had a very good bowl game as well. Do you think Gray will take the next big step next season and be that go-to running back that Tennessee can use? And what do you think about his development throughout last season? You could tell he was pretty special when he first started playing. Um, he has something that you can't teach, and that is the ability to make the first guy miss you. And so he can get in the hole and kind of make a little juke and get around that first linebacker and then get into the secondary. Uh, that's something you can't really coach. You just either got that or you don't. Uh, um, you know, first, um, when the season started, he maybe was a little too cute trying to make spin moves and, you know, doing stuff that was really effective in high school, but maybe it was just kind of a waste of energy when you get to this level, cause you're not going to juke many guys out of the way. You got to run around them or, you know, make a move on them and, and, and get around them. Uh, once he figured that out and started just, you know, running and using his natural ability, he just kept getting better and better and better. I think he has great vision. Uh, he has that cutback ability that, again, that's something else you can't teach. Um, you know, running back either feels that cutback or he doesn't, and uh, you can't teach that. And so there's a lot of things about Eric Gray to like. I think he is a, he's a really smart young man uh, and uh, very intelligent and uh, really does, does a great job of uh, studying the game plans. So I, I think they're really excited about the future for yeah, Eric he- Gray. He popped off the screen to me watching the Vanderbilt game and even the bowl game and the Gator Bowl. But looking at the Vols schedule, two of two of their three biggest conference games, of course, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, are played in Neyland Stadium. How big of an advantage is that? And do you think Tennessee breaks through and can take a few of these games from against some of the more elite teams that most experts are saying are going to compete for that SEC title? Well, that's the goal. And I think that uh, from a talent standpoint, I think Tennessee's getting closer to being a level playing field with those teams. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Tennessee has played these teams pretty close the last couple of years, but they just haven't been in a breakthrough because they maybe the talent level hasn't been on an equal par with those other teams. But uh, I don't I don't think they're backing off the challenge of going after those guys this year. I think that they'll uh, it'll be one of those games where they've got a, they've got a shot to, to win it and uh, that's the goal to break through and and uh, they'll get early tests you know with uh, Florida and then Georgia and uh, Alabama. So you know it's the same little thing for Tennessee every year when you when you look at the schedule by about mid-October you got a pretty good idea on, you know, what kind of team you've got because you played such a challenging schedule. So, um, but that's what makes this league fun. And that's what makes Tennessee's schedule so challenging. Uh, they'll learn a lot in the Oklahoma game and um, they'll learn a lot about their team and, and where they are. So there'll, there'll be plenty of tests, but I, I think this is a Tennessee team that's built to, to be able to play a lot of the better teams, not only in this league, but in this country, toe to toe. Now it's, as we mentioned earlier, it's about learning how to win those big games. They, they learned how to win, you know, some close games last year. Now you got to learn how to win the big games. And, and that is a big jump. 
Yeah, and you even said um, the Oklahoma game's second week of the season. So who's one player our listeners or myself may not be aware of yet that either didn't play a lot last year or might have been hurt or something like that that you could you, you foresee making a huge impact this upcoming season and could be an unseen X factor? Well, you know, I, I really hate doing that because, you know, a lot of times you talk about a young man and then suddenly he doesn't come through for it. Uh, I would I would say that the the two of the, pl- the players, though that Tennessee really needs for them to take that next big step, were the the two tackles uh, from last year, the two freshman offensive tackles, and uh, they you know they played really well, but last year at times, but they kind of went through the uh, um, uh, you know it's a grind if you're a freshman and uh, learning how to to, to to take care of your body and going through that long stretch of the season, you know, by November you get pretty beat up. But if those two freshman offensive tackles from last year, um, the, you know, Wright and, and Morris, if they, if they come in this year and uh, really take that huge next big step to re- really being dominant offensive tackles in this league, and then you go with, with uh, Brandon Kennedy back at center, and then you got Trey Smith at one of those guard spots, that's going to be a pretty formidable offensive line. So I think the the two players that they really need are those tackles to step up and be big-time players. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so for the last question about next season before we move on, um, it's it's early. It's only June, but what are your early expectations, your early just feel about this 2021 team? I mean, what do you think a ceiling could be? What do you think, if everything goes wrong, could the floor be? Just what are your overall impressions so far about what to expect this upcoming season? Well, I mean, I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be – should be in every single football game. I don't. I don't think there's a game they're going to go in as a double-digit underdog. I think that they got a chance to win every one of them. And um, so, you know, in this league, a lot of times it boils down to, as we said, offensive and defensive line. And I think Tennessee's as good there as anybody in this league. And then the next thing you go to is quarterback play. And if Tennessee can get just consistent, good quarterback play then uh, I think Tennessee is going to be really a dangerous team to deal with. If they get inconsistent quarterback play like they had last year, then it's going to be tough at times for Tennessee to, to, to win. But that's not the plan. I think they think that their quarterback is, is going to play well. And uh, if that's the case, this, this Tennessee team is going to be tough to handle, I think, at times. Yeah, and so I, now I want to move more toward your time as the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers. You've you've been the lead play-by-play announcer for some time now. So, just looking back, reflecting, what is the what is your favorite game that you have ever called in your career so far? Well, you know, there've been we've been blessed to have a, a lot of big games. Um, uh, the other is a six over. Overtime game against Arkansas, five overtime game against Alabama. Those were those were huge. Tennessee won down in the Orange Bowl against Miami. Um, you know the games at Notre Dame have been special. Um, so there've been a lot of you know great games. You know, have there been that one game that uh, is stands out above all the others? Well, th- those come with championships and national championships. And haven't been fortunate to be involved in one of those games yet. I hope those one of those might be coming. But um, they had a lot of big members. I, the, the six overtime against Arkansas 
Uh, I just remember Casey Clawson hitting Jason Witten right down the middle in the sixth overtime to, to win the game. And, and uh, Casey and Jason Witten remain two of my favorite all-time Tennessee players. And uh, to see them hook up on that uh, big play was something I always remember. So that was, that was really special. But, uh, you know, anytime you, you, you have the honor to call games at Neyland Stadium, it, it's, it's really special. I mean, it's uh, kind of pinched myself all the time that I'm this fortunate to be in this position. But it is a uh, – it, it's just thrilling. I mean, when the team – you never get tired of them running through the tee. You never get tired of the 100,000 fans and the excitement around the stadium on game day. So, uh, and if I ever do, then it's time to quit. But it, uh, it, it is special, and um, it's just uh, – you know, they, it, there's a passion to football uh, in this state uh, year-round. I mean, it's 365 days a year. I mean, uh, you, I don't know there are many sports talk shows around the state that uh, when they started up, it's not a question about the quarterback or a lot of the questions you've asked tonight, Zach. I mean, they just uh, – they eat and breathe Tennessee football in this state, and, and that's what's fun. You know, Lindsey Nelson once told me, uh, he said, take a job for passion and not necessarily – your passion but the passion of the people that are following your team because if nobody cares it's not a lot of fun to do the games I think he was exactly right about that and uh, you know that uh, there are a lot of people that care about how this Tennessee team does and uh, they're so passionate about it and that's what makes a game day at Neyland Stadium so special right and I mean you talk about the passion I mean I graduated from Auburn so I've been to like a lot of SEC stadiums and now I'm go to Kansas State and I just feel like the S there's very few schools that can match an SEC school's passion it's just a different environment so I want to ask throughout your career you've been all across the country calling games what away environment or any environment outside of Knoxville has been your favorite to call games and just experience their game day? Notre Dame. And it's not really close. I don't think they, uh, it's just a special place. Uh, you get to go up there on Friday and you walk around campus and you see their marching band, uh, marching up their quadrangle. And then you, you go over to the golden dome and, and, uh, then you go down to the grotto and it's, they, it means a lot to them. And I, I know that the, that what's something that strikes you about Notre Dame is they don't have to take a backseat to anybody in terms of tradition. Uh, the people are so friendly. They're the, the ushers at the stadium. It's always welcome to Notre Dame. We're glad you're here. And even if you win or lose in the game, then you know as you leave, so we're glad to you know we're glad you came. I hope you enjoyed your time here at Notre Dame. Hope to see you soon. I mean, they are the most polite uh, ushers and and people in the stadium and. They just understand that Notre Dame football is special and they've had all those Heisman Trophy winners and national championships and all those type things. And it's, uh, if you're a college football fan, you need to put on your bucket lifts going to Notre Dame because it, uh, to me, is one of the special places to watch a college football game. Uh, I hope to make it. I haven't been there, and I also sadly have not been to Knoxville, Tennessee yet. It's on my list. I'm going to go soon. It's one of the few SEC places I have not been. But when people rank the top tailgating game day environments in the SEC, Knoxville, Tennessee is always extremely high on the list. And I've seen some lists even have it one above some places that might have more notoriety. What makes the environment in Knoxville and specifically Neyland Stadium that makes it such a unique, memorable experience for fans? Well, the size of it, for one, uh, obviously it's over 100,000. The, the shape of the stadium, which 
was designed by General Neyland. I mean, he was an engineer, and he basically drew up the uh, the blueprints for the the expansions. I mean, uh, he had it at, down to the point that you know you need to do this and this, and then add this and this, and that's kind of the way they uh, the way they did it. And uh, so the the sheer size just and the way that how it's steep and so the sound just goes right straight down on the field and that makes it really deafening for visiting teams when they when they come in there um what's also unique it's one of the few stadiums there's a river that runs right outside the stadium and a lot of people the old the vol navy they bring their boats up there and then tie them up and then they party all weekend and that's a special scene uh there's lots of area around the stadium that you can tailgate and and um and people come early i mean they just make it a day of it you know you have people there from all over the state and so they it's not like they just bop in and go to the game and and uh and leave and go home i mean a lot of them come in from memphis and jackson and and all places around so they when they come in for the weekend they come in for the weekend and they're going to tailgate and hang out and enjoy their friends and uh, uh there's a special you know the pregame is special with the the band marches through campus to the stadium and people follow the band coming in and then uh, we do our pregame show outside and we have you know a lot of you know people that will sit there and watch the pregame they just soak up you know Tennessee football can't get enough of it so that's what makes it special right so last question here we started with a Tennessee legend I want to end with one Recently, the viral video went around of Peyton Manning dropping in on a Zoom class for the University of Tennessee. How much does he mean? I mean, we know he's a college football legend, but how much does he mean to the community of Knoxville and just the university as a whole? And do you honestly see him coming back to be involved deeper in the football program, maybe as a coach or something like that, maybe someday in the future? No, I don't. I would never think that Peyton would be, want to be a coach. I've never heard him express that thought that he wanted to be a coach. But he is very involved in the program. He comes back. Uh, you know, he gives the Peyton Manning scholarships to students. So he'll come back in the fall, and he'll present those to freshmen. And um, the locker room at uh, the stadium is named after him. Um, you know, they, they have Peyton Manning pass. The team walks down that little strip of land going to the stadium. So they're – their um, Peyton's fingerprints is well. There's pictures on the on the front of the stadium, so his fingerprints are everywhere, and he's really involved. I mean, he checks in, and he comes to visit with the coaches. He'll swing in for practices every once in a while, and uh, comes to games. You know, he's just uh, built a brand new hotel uh, on the strip uh, just off campus, and uh, so I'm sure he'll be coming in. To, he's going to have a little his own little lounge and restaurant in there. So I'm sure now he's got a good place to hang out uh, on games and place to stay. So uh, no, Peyton is uh, really a tremendous ambassador toward uh, the University of Tennessee. I remember we, when Tennessee played basketball at Kansas this year. You know, Peyton showed up, flew in the day of the game, and uh, just said he'd never seen Kansas. And when Tennessee was there, said no better reason. So he shows up in his orange shirt and his Tennessee hat and his the biggest ball fan in Allen Fieldhouse. So uh, he's, um, he's, he's remarkable uh, in terms of his uh, on board of Tennessee. He uh, loves this place. He loves SEC football um, and, uh, and it shows. And uh, it's amazing. You know, I remember I, when I was working, doing the games for Jefferson Pilot, we went down to Archie Manning's house, the Manning's house there in New Orleans. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Archie, who was just a great guy, about uh, his two sons playing quarterback.
quarterback and those type of things. I think Eli at that time was a senior at Newman High School, and he said, uh, you know, it's amazing. You have two sons that are quarterbacks like this, and Peyton can tell you every head coach in the SEC. He knows all their mascots, most of their fight songs. He can tell you uh, their best players. They're all Americans. And Eli can't even name the teams in the SEC. That's how different they are. But, you know, Peyton has always been like that. He's just been consumed and obsessed uh, with football and SEC football and Tennessee football. So uh, it's great to have a guy like that as your ambassador and uh, tooting your horn all over the country because I don't think anybody ever questions uh, his loyalty and his love for the University of Tennessee. Uh, I know I definitely don't. Uh, it, it's amazing to see. I thought it was an awesome video, especially at the time it happened with everything going on with COVID and everything. But that, guys, that is a wrap for our interview. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking Tennessee football with us. And I definitely hope to have you on during the season, especially, you know, some of the bigger Tennessee games. I, I agree with you. I think Tennessee is going to be probably one of the most improved teams in the country. Well, that's the goal. That's the hope. Let's just hope everything uh, kind of gets back to a normal so we can have a football season, which I think we will. Right. I don't know what kind of form it's going to shape, but uh, I think everybody here is chomping at the bit. The players just came back to campus today, so everybody's chomping at the bit to start working out again and get this football season rolling because uh, obviously it's it's um, very important, I think, to the people in this part of the country and all over the country to get football back. So, hey, I appreciate the call and appreciate the time. And anytime you need me, just give me a ring, Zach. Awesome. Thank you. But guys, that is a wrap on our show today. I'm not going to drop our social media or anything. You guys already know all that. We'll be back soon with another episode. But for right now, guys, we're out. <laughs>